Well, it is uh, a privilege to get to, to be with you today and to preach for you as rector one more time. You've, you've not gotten rid of me as a preacher for, you know, I'll be back, but, uh, but not as rector. And so just to, just to begin by saying um, it is, it is such, it's been such a blessing this weekend. Uh, those, I want to just thank those who put together the celebrations, one for Jody on Friday night that was such a blessing to her, and then uh, for me on Saturday afternoon, uh, just a great, great time. I hope that I've gotten to say something personally to each of you. I've tried to get around and just tell you how much you mean to me, what, what, a, what a blessing you've been, to remind you of some particular moments in our time together where, where I was particularly touched by being with you. Um, it's been, it's I just, I said this yesterday, but I'll just say it again, it I, it has been a joy to be your pastor and to serve this congregation. Um, mindful of people that we've been a part of us that have moved on to places all over the, the country. Where's Kyle Quinn? Kyle's back from, from the Boston area, came down for a visit. But Kyle obviously coming through Christ Anglican Fellowship, but also a part of us here at Servants. And so many like him. Where's little, little Emily? Emily Herring. Grown up, Emily Herring came as a college student, now a young microbiologist about to head off to the Carolinas, to Raleigh, and, and so many that have come through Servants of Christ, and so many that we've graduated into eternity, the, the Corbin Carnells, and the Ralph Coriels, and the Lois Bonettis, and, and so many that we mentioned yesterday's, uh, the Al and Jan Throwers, and just lots and lots of saints that we've been able to bless, and uh, Granny Wilson, you know, others that, that, have, that we've been a privilege to be a part of. So when you're a part of a congregation for the time that we've been here, um, you, you, you really understand the, the depth and the width, width and, the, and the, the, the spiritual nature to the body of Christ, the church, because we really are a web of relationships stretching through time. And it is a, it's a blessing. If you're visiting or if you're new to Servants, you may not know this. is I've been in Gainesville 20 years, and we started Servants of Christ 16 years ago. So this is a, a rather long period of time. But as I, I get away from me, I just want to give you some words. I want to I have a couple of things to share with you from Scripture that I, I hope will be a blessing to you. Just ways that I want to, things that I want to impart to you before I'm no longer the rector, which will be at the end of this service. And so I want to, I got to, this is my last chance to say a few things. In some ways, this is the easiest sermon I've ever preached because I'm not going to say anything hopefully new. I'm going to, I'm going to remind you of some things. But in another sense, it's, 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 it's the hardest sermon I've ever preached because I, get, I can't make up next week for what I didn't say this week. So, so it's one of those strange places. So, you know, the best of times, the worst of times, uh, to quote Dickens. But, um, but I've picked these scriptures, and I, I want to say really three, three words that I want to hopefully capture what I want to say to you in those three words. The, the three words are, are, the first one is simply rebuilding. And for that, I've picked the scripture from Nehemiah 4. And the Lord in his sovereignty chose to have me going through the books of, of, of Esther and, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. Well, also, now I'm in Esther, but, 
But reading to the end of Chronicles, if you know the book of Chronicles ends and Ezra begins. It's the end of, it's the going off into exile. Remember the southern kingdom eventually is also taken into exile like the northern kingdom and they go to Babylon where they are living in Babylon for over 70 years and they start coming back in waves. But but then the book of Ezra picks up with the return of the remnant, those who've come back. And there's actually a, a, a string of leaders that God sends. And first he sends a guy named Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel actually builds back some semblance of the temple. Because when God allows their enemies to, to, to punish them, they, they actually destroy not only the walls of the city of Jerusalem, but they destroy the temple and so it's in ruin, and there are places within Ezra and Nehemiah where it talks about the burnt rocks and the, and the pushed over stones, and the temple is completely destroyed. But this guy, Zerubbabel, comes back with a remnant from, from Babylon, and he rebuilds the temple, some semblance of the temple. And then God sends Ezra to come to be the priest. And Ezra sort of institutes reform and reminds the people that even though they rebuilt the temple, that there's a lot of idolatry and there's a lot of things they need to change. And so Ezra institutes a time of renewal and they read the word of God. And you may remember that some of the old people would cry because they remembered Solomon's temple. And the young people are rejoicing because they, they get to worship in a temple. They don't know how glorious Solomon's temple is. And it's just a wonderful picture of, of, of sort of where we are. A, a dear saint, um, one of our dear saints here at Servants, you know, Jane was always concerned about sort of me upholding Anglicanism. And I said, Jane, I said, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that it survives into the 21st century. I'm not trying to destroy Anglicanism. So, but, but God loved Jane. She, she always felt like I never wore my collar enough or I wasn't, wasn't perhaps proper enough. But, but I, would, I would talk to her about this passage and remind her that, that, that when you're rebuilding something, oftentimes it can look messy. And it has. And then God brings back Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is not a priest, he's not a religious man, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an administrator, he's a, he's a company man, a government man, and, but, but God puts on Nehemiah this vision to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, because if you don't rebuild the walls <clears throat> around the temple, then there's no ways of distinguishing what is God's people and what are they called to be in the midst of this, this world that's, that these people that, that, have, that have forgotten their godly heritage? And if you know anything about the Assyrians and the Babylonians, oftentimes when they conquered a people, they would take the people from that land, the best and brightest, and they would take them off to their country, which is how people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego end up in Babylon. But then they would all bring other groups of people, and they would plant them in these lands. And the idea was, well, these are foreigners. These are people that don't really care about local traditions and local religions and stuff. And so it'll, it'll, it'll discombobulate everyone. It'll, it'll upset things and it'll allow us to maintain control. And, and so part of the enemies that are described in Nehemiah are those who've come in. They're not Jews, they're not, they don't understand the glory of the temple. They don't understand King David and King Solomon and what God had done there. And so they, they are opposed. They're, they're fighting what Nehemiah is trying to do. 
And for me, it's, it's such a good word picture of, of what we've been called to do here in Gainesville, in Alachua County. Because there was a time when, 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 when St. Michael's Episcopal Church was, was really on the ropes, was, was in a pretty bad place. And there were lots of enemies who would just as well have seen it go, just close up. And as it is now, the building is, you know, completely destroyed, right? And now there's a, actually a real estate sign out front, you know, looking for somebody to take the land over and rebuild. But the Lord called us to rebuild the spiritual community that was St. Michael's Episcopal and what is now Servants of Christ. And that's been a 20-year work that we've been about, not just Jody and, and me, but, but all of us that were called to begin that work. And, and some of those who were called to begin that work are now in glory. They're now with the Lord. But, but it's a work of rebuilding that we've, we've all been putting into it to, to rebuild a body of worshiping, a worshiping community in the midst of Gainesville. To be present to the university, to the city center, to, to say we want to represent Christ to you in a way that's redemptive. And we think that this community has something to offer to the larger community. It's been a rebuilding time to, to rebuild physically, to, to, to come here to this place. And who thought that God would, after you know, so many years, give us this place to worship, this landmark church building in Gainesville that everybody knows the old Trinity Methodist building on 8th Avenue. Everybody knows where it is. And now we who like a, like a you know, some sort of a, a, an animal that inhabits another animal's shell, you know, we've come in to revive the space and to, to be a presence, to be a, a landmark on 8th Avenue, to say to the wider community, we're here. This is the work we've been about, about rebuilding. Rebuilding physically, rebuilding spiritually being revived and grown up to say we want to we revitalize mainline denominations in America. And let's be honest, there are a lot of ways that the mainline denominations in the United States sort of fumbled over the last 50 years and, and lost center in the gospel and lost the power of the work of the Holy Spirit and became distracted with things and perhaps comfortable in their affluency. And the culture is gone way, way past them to the point that it seems as if they're almost irrelevant. And yet, we are here to say, no, within a traditional denomination, we want to represent Christ to the world in a way that we think uniquely speaks of his redeeming love. And we want to bring sacrament and word and spirit together in the streams that are Anglicanism. Now, we're not the only tradition. The Lord is using all sorts of tools. He's got the non-denominational guys. He's got the, he's got the other denominations. He's got uh, the Baptist and the, and, uh, and the Pentecostals and, and the Roman Catholics. And he is doing a work in all of his churches. But we have a part to play. And rather than letting this light get extinguished, uh, this part of the body of Christ become absent in Gainesville, we have labored together to revitalize spiritually this community.
and you're a part of that. You've done that. You could have all just gone to some other church. You could have said, you know what, it's not worth trying to revitalize Anglicanism in Gainesville. Let's just, let's just go disperse and do other things. And yet, you've seen the need, and you've been builders. Which is why I love what, what this passage that I picked out of Nehemiah 4, because it's just such a word picture. It's, it's, so they're rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the, re- rebuilt the temple, and now they're rebuilding the wall around the temple. And in, and in places, the, the walls stand, and in places, they're just large gaps. Uh, you know. And so what, is, what does Nehemiah do? He stations different families and different tribes in the different gaps around the wall of Jerusalem. And he assigns different folks to build in different places. And, and those groups have to have some communication. And, and so they, they, have to, they have to protect themselves because, they, I don't know if you caught it in the passage, but there are, there are naysayers. There are both people living out in Judah, there are, in other words, other Jews that are saying, it's not worth it, it's too dangerous, you guys need to come home and quit trying to build that wall. And then there are also enemies, naysayers, those who actually act like they want to help, but really what they want to do is destroy. And so they come and they're trying to, 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 to discourage and to, and to threaten and to, and to cause the people that are building the wall to become discouraged until they give up and walk away. And so Nehemiah arranges them and he begins to teach them how to live in community. And each family or tribe has a different place on the wall. And they they learn how to build with one hand while they're carrying their weapon with the other hand. To say, we're not going anywhere, so don't try to to knock us off this ground, even as they're building. And I just, I love that word picture, you know, of understanding that you have to both defend and build simultaneously. Now, I know some of you don't like the imageries that relate to war, and I'll get to that in just a second. But, but understand that we have been about rebuilding in this place. It has been my conviction and the conviction of others that particularly university communities, elite university communities, above all, need to have the presence of the, of the gospel spoken through churches like Servants of Christ Anglican Church. It's vitally important. World leaders come here to study and then go all over the world. And we know some of those leaders that have moved on to other places and have done important things, but they've carried the gospel and they've carried what it looks like to be a part of a worshiping community here. And you've been a part of that. It's a work of rebuilding. And then I love that last verse that I had to jump in to make sure Don read because, you know, it, it's the Lord that will, the Lord that will care for us. But, but notice that Nehemiah says, the Lord is the one who will fight the battle for us. But he also says, if you hear the trumpet, you have to run to the part of the wall that's being attacked. And that's why I'm an Anglican. Because it's not just about a local congregation. There are Anglicans all over this diocese. And Anglicans all over this province, which is North America, Canada, and the United States, and Mexico, who pray for us who care about our well-being, and if called upon, will run to the part of the wall that we're protecting. 
The conviction I have is that, that we were called to hold this, this beachfront, if you will, right? To hold this place and to say the enemy will not destroy this spiritual community, this Anglican spiritual community a mile or two from the University of Florida. We won't let the enemy take this territory. We're going to stake it and we're going to defend it and we're going to build something worthy of the kingdom. You've been a part of that and you will continue to be a part of that. Because now servants of Christ is not that suffering, volatile little parish that it was when we left the Episcopal Church. Now we're looked at as leaders. Now we're looked at as strengths. Shocked me to no end. I'm getting phone calls from people. I know that you're the next bishop. I'd like you to consider my name for Servants of Christ as rector. I'm like, really? Okay, wow. I mean, I'm getting phone calls. People that want to come and pastor you. To the point that I'm pretty certain that you guys are going to look back and, man, we need to get Alex to become bishop so we can bring in these really incredible guys to come in here and lead this congregation, which is completely okay with me because those guys weren't called to hold the beach and to, and to create something, to rebuild something 20 years ago. I would love to hear to come back and visit and see all the things the Lord is doing next at Servants of Christ. You have been about the work of rebuilding. Now, to the, to the war image. You, you know, warfare is a part of the history of our world, but, you know, and obviously, there, you know, that it was a, there were real enemies that they were defending in Jerusalem uh, in, in the, the, the 400 B.C.'s. But, but spiritually, we also are defending. Our battle, Paul says, is not carnal. It's not fleshly. It's spiritual. And there is a spiritual battle at hand. And we must prepare it, prepare for it as such. Which is why prayer ministry is so vital to what we do here. And we try to undergird what we do with prayer. Because we recognize how important it is to be praying for each other and for the work we're doing. I love the idea that came out of the ancient cultic, uh, uh, Celtic tradition with regard to how churches were formed in mission communities. They would place missional communities in, in, the, in the center of communities to be a living witness. You see, we're building walls, but not to keep people out. We're building walls to say, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what it means to be someone who loves God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbors ourselves and to, to distinguish ourselves so that we can invite people in, to invite people to be a part of this. And, and so in certain ways, in certain times in church history, the, the, the missional community, the Christian community would actually plant itself in a pagan area and they would, they would distinguish themselves, but they would live among the people to be a living witness to them of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Which is why I, I chose this, this second lesson from, from 2 Corinthians, where Paul talks about the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ, that Christ is making his appeal through us, be reconciled to God. 
And it's always important to remember that, that we, what we're building here is so that we can, we can look outside. There's a guy named Escobar. He's a famous missiologist. And he, I read a, read a book by him not too long ago. And he says, any church that is not outwardly focused is not the true church of God. The church of Christ is always outwardly missional focused. It's always pre-meditating on those who are not yet part of it. It's always concerned about those who are not yet its members, to quote William Temple. That we always have to be recognizing that we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. When I was at JU 100 years ago, Jacksonville University, um, they, we, we had to wear these green polyester jackets and uh, these, these, these ties with dolphins all over them. We were the fighting dolphins. And, uh, and I was an ambassador for JU, you know, which meant that people came, we, we were there. And, and the whole idea was we were supposed to put a best foot forward for the university. We were supposed to, to, to exemplify character and, and to be polite and to, and to be hospitable to those who'd come and be a part of us. And this idea of being an ambassador, be, who represents another to the wider community, that, that's, that's what we're called to do. So while we're in the community and while we're apart and we're, we're, we obviously know the things that are going on, we, we have to remember that we're always primarily there to represent Christ. That that is our primary motive. And so at some point, if we, if we cease to be unique or different and there's no, nothing about us that is, that is tasty, that is attractive, that would draw people to, the, to this, this gospel, this knowledge of Jesus, then we, we really need to examine our, our lives, because we're called to be his ambassadors, to invite people to come in and to be with him, to be reconciled to him. Now, there are lots of people in Gainesville who don't think they need to be reconciled to God. I know, I've lived among them for 20 years. Understand, though, that part of what they're rejecting is not really the good news of Jesus. It's the representation of Christianity that they've seen lived out in people. Which is why we need to be here. So that we can say, this is who Jesus is. And those who are reconciled to Christ, this is how they live. This is what we're offering. Now, the first step, obviously, is to make sure that we've been reconciled to Christ. Paul says that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. That doesn't mean they're perfected. Yeah, we're not. None of us are. But, but we've come to a recognition that, in fact, we do need to be reconciled to Christ. And that our best efforts to be good enough or to act nobly is, is actually falls so very short of the God's kingdom. That it is only because of what God has done in Christ to bring us back into right relationship with Christ that the God that we can we can say we are being made the righteousness of Christ. God is doing something. God is doing something in us to make us new. We've been redeemed, and now we hold out that same opportunity for you to be redeemed. We are ambassadors. Never lose sight of your call to live, yes, this Christian community, to have the walls to distinguish what is and is not to be a, to be a Christian part of it. But, but understand that the, that the walls 
are not meant to keep people out, but rather to invite them in. And how do we accomplish that? Well, it's in the name. So if you forget the other two points, we're ambassadors, we're called to be rebuilders, but how do we do it by being servants, servants of Christ? My son Jake is here, who surprised me this morning. It's so good to see him. I'll never forget, you know, 16 years ago, Jake, much younger, said to me, he said, Dad, why would you pick Servants of Christ for a church name? That's a terrible name. No one's going to want to come to that church. <laughs> he said, can't you, can't you pick a more distinguished name for it? And, uh, you know, uh, and I said, I get that, but in this post-Christian secular place, right, where, where so many have said, I know what Christianity is about, and I don't want anything to do with it. What's the one way we could possibly be ambassadors for Christ, possibly break through and say, consider Jesus again? It's if we truly learn to be servants. And like our Lord, didn't come to be served, didn't come to proclaim how we're the righteous people of God and everybody else is wrong, but rather to get down on our knees with a basin and a towel and be willing to wash the feet, not just of other Christians, although we've done that, not just Christians of other ethnicities and tribes, and we've done that, but to wash the feet of those secular post-Christian folks who think they know what Christianity is about, and yet they don't. And to incarnate Christ's love through our servant leadership. And this is who we are. This is how we communicate the love of Christ. The same way our Lord did. It's not new. It's not something that I invented. It's not a tactic or a strategy or a vision statement. It is simply emulating our Lord who said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And if we do that, if we truly serve, Christ will be glorified. We will be his ambassadors and Christ will continue to let us be a part of rebuilding the spiritual and physical community that he desires us to be in this city in this county, in this region of the United States, to the glory of God. I love you all. I can't wait to come back and confirm some of our kids in a few months, and I can't wait to see what the Lord does. But I pray that you're still rebuilding, that you're still ambassadors, and that you're still servants. Let me pray. Father, What a privilege, Lord. I, I just look out, Father, and I look out at the new faces and the people that you're drawing here, people that I won't get to know the way I've gotten to know some of these people, Lord. But I thank you that, that this is a body, this is a place that I can trust that you will continue to use these in this room. You'll work through them to love and care for each other and for all those, Lord, you bring our way. 
Father, I pray that you would release all the gifts of the body that are needed, gifts of evangelism and hospitality and administration and leadership and gifts of healing and prophecy, Father. I pray your Holy Spirit would just pour out upon this community, Father, in this next chapter of their life together, Father, all that they need to be living witnesses for you, signposts of your kingdom in this city, Lord. I thank you that you, by your grace, Lord, and we know it is all because of your grace that you have, you have allowed this to be established as a spiritual place, a, a, a spiritual stronghold for your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to, to just give them the grace and your power and your strength, Lord, to continue to serve you faithfully in this place. And I bless them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I love you.